Hi, this is Matt from Work in Fintech, and today I'm super excited to be joined with Dimitri Buterin, who's a serial entrepreneur, a mentor, a blockchain investor, and also some people say the grandfather of Ethereum. His son is Vitalik Buterin. And I'm also joined today by Working Fintech founder member Benjamin Ahmed, who is famous for creating a number of NFT collections. He's only 12 years old. So both today, uh, Ben Newman and I will be interviewing Dimitri. So Dimitri, thank you for joining us. And it's great to have you on the podcast. Yeah. Hey, Matt. Nice to join you here. You're a serial entrepreneur yourself. Can you tell us a bit about your background and what you've done? I uh, grew up in the Soviet Union and uh, I kind of was a geek early on and uh, got interested in computers and technologies. And uh, there was not that much available back then, especially in the Soviet Union. Uh, and I went to study computer science in university, graduated, uh, had lots of interesting experiences watching their uh, centralized giant of the Soviet Union fall apart very quickly. Uh, and I mean, you could uh, you could see that it was rotting. So I s worked for a little bit as a software engineer, then as a kind of computer systems consultant, and then quickly started my first business when I was uh, 25. So that was back in Moscow, and that was uh, again like in a software space, and that's where I started my what I've done all of my entrepreneurship pretty much. And then I moved to Canada uh, 21 years ago and been living in Toronto ever since. And I've done several uh, companies in the software space. Uh, some of them, they were like service related. And then their most latest one uh, was Wild Uppercut, which was uh, software for small nonprofits. So that's kind of high level picture of me. And we've been obviously researching you and learning all about you in the, in the week before this this interview that we've been excited about. And we've seen you've mentioned in previous interviews, you talk a lot about curiosity and passion mm -hmm. and how that's vitally important. And and you also talk about how you know having joy and peace in your life will bring you happiness. Mm -hmm. And Ben, have you got a question on that? Yes. Can you talk about how you set up yourself for success in this regard? <laughs> My first answer, first level answer will be don't set yourself up for success, right? Because success is a... For most people, it's uh, like they're trying to seek success and they're, they're really the subconscious drive for that is the hope that, oh, when I reach success, things will be so different. I'll be so happy. People will love me. I'll have all this money and love and everything. And that's bullshit. <laughs> you know what? Uh, people achieve success and then their mind is like, it's basically just a pattern in your mind. Like, it's like, I'm uncomfortable right now, but when I get something else, let's say success for many people, then then I will be so different. But, you know, people will keep seeking whatever they're seeking, right? But there are different kinds of success in a way, right? And people explore them, right? People try to find success in their career. People try to find success in their relationships and, I don't know, in nature, in spirituality so many different things but end of the day <clears throat> you know uh i'm not a big fan of uh their word success because i believe that every human being is uh, already perfectly successful where they are and from the starting point you can listen to yourself and kind of listen to your internal joy like okay what would i do right now if i had all the time all the money in the world what would i, what do, I do right now right and i think it's a very important question from uh you know, as a starting point, because you really have no clue what's going to happen tomorrow, right? Um, 
things will keep changing, the environment, the COVID, the government, your relationships, your life, your monetary success, everything, your health, you will get sick. And, you know, at some point you will die. You might die tomorrow. You have no idea how much time you have people close to you. Right. So end of the day, this is really how do we get ourselves back into the present moment? How do we connect with what is happening now and then do this versus like trying to do stuff that will give us some kind of future success, whatever is our definition of success. Thank you. And and with the age-old nurture versus nature mm-hmm. argument, it feels like you've provided both to your son, which no doubt has helped his, his worldviews of pursuing like greater good and to improve society. As a parent, how does that make you feel? You know, like every human being is the result of so many, uh, the multitude of influences, right? From genetics, uh, from uh, contributions of its parents, grandparents, their, you know, close family and friends, the society, the community, so many things, right? So for me, the question of, you know, trying to find like, oh, what was the secret? It's really... Uh, you know, what was the factor? Was it nature? Was it nurture? Was it this person? Whatever. You know what? I'm uh, very grateful that the universe granted me the role of being one of uh, infinite many contributors to what is unfolding now with Ethereum and decentralized technology and all the cool, awesome things that people are making happen on that, right? From DeFi to NFTs and all of you guys, right? Like Vitalik, again, he's the conduit for this whole huge amazing infinite thing to happen right and and i'm really grateful that it just happened that i'm kind of i happen to have a really kind of uh first row seat to that right isn't that amazing no absolutely and and moving on to i suppose blockchain like with the emergence of you know, blockchain and web3 and and ethereum it feels like there's a cambrian explosion which is leading to the next stage of the internet and obviously mm-hmm. ethereum you know your you know vitalik's creation is playing a vital role in that. And then you've got a couple of questions on that, haven't you? Yes. How do you see crypto intersecting with the metaverse? Again, the, the word metaverse, who knows really what it means, right? Uh, also, in a few years, we might look back at this, like, you know, and with the, some cringe, like, oh, was it the same as people were calling uh, internet information superhighway or some other funny names? So metaverse... I'm not sure this is, will be the final term we settle on, right? But if you will, it's a, it's a way for people to uh, have more and more of their life happening in their digital continuum, right? So, and uh, I think that blockchains, they, uh, and, you know, decentralized technology really brings a very new and unique aspect, uh, you know, to humans because. Uh, you know, when you have your physical possessions, right, uh, they, if you will, it's easier for a human to realize that uh, the impermanence of them, because they can be taken away from you, they can be stolen, whatever, whatever, right? And with their blockchain-based items, whether that's money, whether that's NFTs, whether that's, uh, you know, gaming items, it feels like they're much more yours, right? Because really you can have your password in the brain and and then nobody can pretty much take that away from you, right? And for human consciousness, that, that's a big deal because again, this is a very essential aspect of uh, uh, human consciousness is to 
trying to possess something, right? Oh, this is mine. This is this becomes an extension of me, right? So that's like, uh, so I think it's uh, very naturally, it's much more um, attractive, I think, to human mind to kind of, uh, quote unquote, own those things and, and there's uh, digital universe, metaverse, whatever you want to call it. So I think that uh, it's really an essential technology in this huge transition, which has been forecasted in so many wonderful books for quite a while, right? And it's happening now. And, and what do you think about um, kind of, you know, the interface moment? Because it, it doesn't feel like it's quite happened yet because it's, it's quite clunky moving from wallets mm. and having to transfer cryptocurrency around to purchase yes. NFTs, for example. Yes. Where, where do you see us on the curve at the moment with the interface moment? Yeah, you, you're right, right? And, uh, you know, my closest comparison to that is uh, when I observed the unfolding of internet itself, right, which happened, let's say, 25 years ago, 20, 25 years ago, right? And there was a, you know, first, and all, even before internet, we had all those uh, clunky services like uh, Gopher and uh, FTP and uh, and even the first uh, websites, they were just those ugly static HTML pages. But you could sense that this was the beginning of something really big, right? And it was extremely exciting. I remember it was maybe the year 95, right? So let's say 26 years ago, and I was at my first job in a bank as a software engineer, and I encountered this website where supposedly, uh, and it was a US-based website, and supposedly you could, could order pizza there. And it was like mind-blowing, you know, like ordering pizza online, you know, man, like I only learned about pizza a few years ago, really, right? And uh, being living in the Soviet Union, right? And, through this thing, your computer, you can do stuff like this, right? And then we joked with my colleagues back then that, hey, you know what? Maybe the air conditioner in the office will have its own IP address and, you know, will control. I mean, this is now the reality, right? The Internet of Things. So when I look at uh, the crypto space, right, it's uh, we are still in early stages, right? And you're right that interfaces are clunky and whatnot. Uh, but it's it's way better than it was, let's say, four years ago, right? And the previous boom and bust cycle of ICOs and whatnot, it's still not quite as useful, as usable to average normal person as it can be. But this changes so fast. Like every day you have new interfaces. And I think that right now it's also a huge opportunity, right? Because lots of awesome people focusing on the fundamental technology, right? But also now lots of people focused on uh, actual human experience, right? And this is really the gist of this. Like, how do you build systems for actual humans, right? That, that's why it's important to think about humans. I think that a lot of technology quite often is built in abstract. It's like for users, right? But there are no users. You know, here's this guy, here's this lady, here's this, uh, you know, young adult. They all have different interests, different capabilities, different directions, right? So it's really key to think about their human journey, right? And this is happening. So I think this is an amazing opportunity for lots of people now to build on the foundational technology that is there. And, you know, it's still evolving, you know, all the level two stuff, which I'm really excited about, like take NFTs, right? For example, I didn't really get NFTs until very recently for actually just a few weeks ago, I finally got into that. And, uh, uh, if you will, kind of 
trick my mind because I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure. Like, you know, this make my much sense and doesn't feel good to spend my ETH on this stuff. And I'm like, oh, but I also have some Bitcoin. And Bitcoin, as wonderful technology as it was, seems to kind of have ossified. So I'm not really sure, you know, where it's going. So why don't I take some of my Bitcoin, convert it into Ethereum and just play with that? You know, if I lose it, so be it. But then I've lost some, I've been scammed. And I bought a bunch of NFTs, right? Or the last few weeks. And then I really understood that, oh, wow, it's not really about it's really about human emotions. It's about the sense of community. It's about art. It's about sharing. It's about belonging. It's about our uniqueness. So everything is really connected. At the end of the day, it's connecting to our human emotions, right? So, and this is really unfolding right now in front of us, right? Still early, tons of opportunity. Just just picking up on a few things you said there, you mentioned um, ICOs and human emotion and humans. Um, yeah, you've obviously come across like the hype cycle and, and you know, you often see new technologies that, you know, following that kind of curve where everyone gets really excited about it and then it comes off the boil and then over a number of years it starts to strengthen again. And we've seen that already with, with obviously, you know, DeFi and blockchain and so on and, and the projects that were started, mm -hmm. you know, many years ago. We obviously saw that big boom in ICOs. What is it like three, four years ago? Yeah. And some people think you might be seeing a similar kind of boom in NFTs at the moment. Would you would you do you have an opinion on that on on again humans getting hearing about I remember five years ago when everyone was everyone was talking about Bitcoin wherever you right. go people are talking about Bitcoin even you know people that are far older than you who you wouldn't expect them to be talking about it yes. and now you're beginning to get the same with NFTs as well yes. do you think there's a similar kind of boom and potentially bust happening? Well, we humans we always try to understand things and the way we understand them by comparing them to something else right so you can try to compare that to four years ago and you will find some analogies but it will actually give you not that much to go on in terms of predicting stuff right and uh, four years ago the icos mm, it was really mostly the emotion of greed you know uh oh wow fundraising can happen on in this totally new way and you know and and greed is not necessarily is quote unquote bad emotion, right? But it, it, it it's a powerful human emotion. It's really connected to us feeling safe, feeling in control, and we have no control, whatever, right? But at least we have the illusion of that. So ICOs were most for a lot of them, they were really like a cash grab opportunity, right? And I got invited to a lot of ICOs as an advisor, and I would look at the white papers and I would say, guys, that makes no sense to me. And uh, we would go back and forth. And eventually I would say, guys, you really just want to raise some money, right? I'm like, oh, yeah. And so most ICOs, they went bust and they didn't build much because, uh, you know, when you've got lots of money, at, uh, if you will, my own experience with startups, that's not necessarily the best thing that can happen to you. When you're constrained with resources, then you can be creative and, and inventive and only have lots of money. It's also very easy to just waste it all quickly, right? So in a way, you can say that ICOs were a bust. However, like, let's say that uh, if you had invested a uh, million dollars uh, across all of the ICOs, right? And most of them, whatever, 99% of them, they went down. But that 1% that did not would have returned to you already a multiple of what you have invested across all ICOs, right? Because if you just take, you know, a few of them, like 
Filecoin and whatever uh, other uh, ICOs that survived and still present at this moment, right? So I think, again, it's a, it's a natural way of human progression, right? And when I look at NFTs, NFTs is, uh, you know, that's, uh, uh, they involve a much broader set of uh, humans into this space, artists, collectors, people to, who like cool stuff, game players and whatnot. So this is a, a stage of a much broader adoption, right? And the way it can go even higher beyond that, you know, financial aspect of this. And, you know, will there be cycles for sure, right? You know, will it be, uh, and again, like uh, when the things went down back then, four years ago, uh, Ether as the digital the currency of that space went uh, down from 1500 to the lowest of like $85, right? So it lost like whatever it was, 95% of its value. And eventually it went back up and it's way higher than it is. And I'm pretty confident that in a year it will be way, way, way uh, above what we have, right? So will we have those uh, things, you know, uh, big dips and whatnot? Of course we will, right? So that's really the important question because if you're really trying to find, you know, uh, some uh, guaranteed short-term success, it's never to be fun. But if you know, if you go with your heart, if you play with it, if you start with a place that, you know what, you can lose it all, it can all go bust. And who knows, like, you know, maybe NSA quantum computers will just hack all the blockchains, so, you know, and whatnot. But you know what, uh, humans are very resilient and it will be rebuilt, it will, be, it will get better, it will get bigger, right? And we will move forward. Brilliant answer. Um... Ben, have you got a question about learning? Yes. So what were your thoughts when Vitalik dropped out of university? Yeah, I was really excited for him, right? Because uh, it's not about where we learn. It's really about uh, do we have a mindset for continuous learning, right? And uh, it's becoming very obvious that in, uh, in our modern society, it's really essential for people to try to keep up with uh, all the things constantly changing, right? Like when I look back at my own life, uh, you know, I'm almost 50, right? I'm 49. And uh, 30 years ago, like life was extremely, very, very different uh, in terms of technology and human capabilities and, and whatnot than it is now. So the capability of a human being to learn and adapt is an essential one. And schools used to be about learning lots of information, oh, you know, the facts and whatnot. Uh, so with uh, Vitalik, you know, it was pretty clear early on that he is a lifelong learner. He has a lot of curiosity. He likes to learn about stuff and he keeps learning about things, right? So uh, it didn't matter that, uh, okay, so he's dropping out of university. I actually was excited about this because uh, uh, a lot of uh, smart people how to put this, they, because they are smart, they learn to live with their mind and they learn to think about stuff and they also become desensitized to their emotions, right? So when we desensitize to our emotions, when we desensitize to our fears, then, uh, you know, what we do well becomes our only answer, right? You know, that expression when we have, when we, all we, that we have as a hammer, then everything looks like a nail, Right. When we think that knowledge is the answer to everything, then uh, we keep trying to get more knowledge and we hope that oh, some awesome knowledge will eventually bring us uh, happiness, success and everything. Um, and uh, people 
keep pursuing more knowledge. And you can go to university, then you can get a PhD that can do whatever, right? You can get two PhDs and so what, right? But life is much more than just, uh, if you will, abstract knowledge, right? So for me, I was really happy that uh, I knew that, okay, uh, I mean, that's what I said to Vitalik, that if you drop out, then uh, I have no doubt that you will keep learning, right? And I actually excited that you will learn much more by doing hands-on stuff, you know, engaging with people. Maybe you will build a company or whatever it is, right? And there's so much more learning happening uh, in those things, right? And that's exactly what happened. And a lot of this learning is, uh, if you will, much harder than uh, academic learning, right? When you start interacting with people and humans are like, oh, wow, I have my idealistic view of the world and humans and they're different. You know, some people, they want this and they want that. And, you know, and some people tell me that I'm an asshole and that that hurts. Uh, how do I deal with that? And some people put up uh, offensive pictures of me online, right? Oh, how do I learn with that? Like, and why do you do that? How do I deal with that? And why do you, they do that? So there's all kinds of learning, right? So for me, and actually, uh, uh, Stanley Kuleshov, the founder of Ave, he, um, he did a Twitter post today. He said, I believe, something like, uh, I worship knowledge or something like that. And my reply to that was that I used to kind of think this way, but now I uh, I really vibrate with curiosity, right? And for me, curiosity trumps knowledge because knowledge is kind of more final. It's like, I know this, this is how it is, whatever. Curiosity is more like, oh, okay. Mm, I think this is how it is. This person thinks that this is different, right? And if my only answer is like, you know, or oh, you must be stupid or evil, then I'm, you know what? Um, I'm not really learning that much. But when I'm curious, I'm like, oh, I learned this. This is obvious to me. Uh, I I know this, and this person knows something else, and that's totally seems to be in a position to me. How do we reconcile that? Why is that? And you know, so curiosity for me is uh, an essential aspect of uh, uh, our ongoing evolution, right? And you know, this is uh, an alignment of a human being with their flow of life because life never stops. It's like and for me, it's uh, like, again, take Bitcoin, a wonderful, wonderful, amazing invention that kind of created, that was the foundation of so many other things. And uh, when I hear people who kind of post online, they say, you know what? It was perfect. They're all the ideas about the original invention of Bitcoin, the monetary policy, it was perfect, should never change. And that's it. I'm like, no, guys, life is not like this. Life will keep changing. You know, things will come up. And if we do, if we are not adapting, if we're not changing, at some point we will be broken. There's no way around this, right? So that's how I I think about this. Now that's really interesting. So it's a, it's a combination of you know always evolving, always learning, being curious, and constantly looking for good questions as well as good answers. You know, the yes. questions yes. are even more important sometimes. Yeah, and then and then it kind of leads to the the, the range of multidisciplinary experiences which then can feed into um like you say your your experience which then helps you look at things in a different way yes um, and, and what's your thoughts on um kind of academia and universities in the longer run because obviously we've seen in covid in the last you know 18 months or so 
yes. uh, schools and university and everything's all had, had to go online. Mm-hmm. And therefore, there's been a, a different way of consuming knowledge and learning and interacting with peers. You know, yes. A lot of people have suffered, you know, because when you've gone to university or college, part of that is meeting people and meeting people who are studying different things to you as yes. well. And again, helps with your network and range. Mm-hmm. So that obviously is something that needs to needs to stay. But where do you see kind of these ancient three five hundred year old universities, mm-hmm. which have been which haven't evolved in some cases, yeah. having to make that leap into you know Web three and right. metaverse and all all the things on the horizon? What do you think mm-hmm. the future is for that? I think there will be a huge evolution of uh, ongoing evolution and change in the ways that we learn and study and whatnot because. Uh, one amazing aspect of uh, when you go to university, right, you typically at a young adult stage and you have a better idea of what uh, what is of interest to you than like, you know, when you're in school, you kind of like you're just kind of going with the flow. But when you are 17 or whatever, right, and you go to university and you go to study something that you like, then you join a community of people interested in kind of similar things. So being part of that community, interacting with other humans uh, that's a really important, essential aspect of learning, right? However, beyond that, I think that uh, the established academic institution, they don't have that much to offer because they kind of offer this huge prepackaged chunks that are not evol- of knowledge that are not evolving as fast as life evolves now. And you can get most of this knowledge, if not all of it and more, you can get it online, right? I think that a lot of their academic institutions, there is not enough focus on hands-on practical learning and knowledge, which is also beyond just pure abstract knowledge, but it's about to make something happen, you have to interact with others. You have to interact with the team. You have to know so many other things than just having an abstract knowledge of this particular thing. So, um, and I think it's uh, the learning of the future really will keep happening in uh, smaller chunks. It will keep happening in the more playful environment because we humans we love to play you know like can we build children all of our lives you know and you know find a way to play this game and you know get this rewards and get this you know fun imagery and like can we learning as we playing kind of thing right that's much more natural and i think that the aspect of community that is now a really important aspect of going to let's say university i think it's uh can be achieved uh, more and more uh, through online connections. And it's hard to quite replicate that yet, right? Because the human interaction, it's much more than just like typing stuff online. But you know what? Then you have video, then you have VR, then you have other stuff. So humans eventually develop deeper and deeper online connections, right? And they know that, again, when I look at uh, Vitalik's journey, when uh, he joined initially their bitcoin crowd if you will you know people uh who were uh bitcoin enthusiasts right he joined it online and he was a kid and you know in high school and he was doing stuff and nobody really knew much about him except for his handle right but then also because of that you know that expression online nobody knows you're a dog right and that also gives you a lot of freedom right because people can take you on your merit they can read your stuff so I think that one big aspect of what we will also see happening in the future, which will affect so many areas of human society, are things like reputation systems, right? When you build your reputation, you know, your reputation online, you know, who cares if you're 
in Canada, in Pakistan, who cares? Maybe you're a wheelchair-bound disabled person, but you have a brilliant mind and you can contribute to the society in amazing ways. Maybe you're an artist somewhere in the Philippines, or, you know, like, who knows? And uh, I think that it gives uh, humans a much bigger capacity to express themselves and join the community than, you know, just purely uh, old-school uh, academic institutions. Um, ben, I mean, that happened to you, didn't it? Because Ben, when he released his last um, uh, pro NFT projects, he, people didn't believe he was 12 years old. So he, <laughs> yeah. he had to go online and do a video to say that this is me and it, you know, yeah. this, is, this is real. You want to comment on that, Ben? Yes. So I just launched my NFT collection and it was all just a learning experience. I didn't expect any money or anyone to connect with my story, but I just posted a Twitter thread just in case maybe someone maybe could mint one. So I posted the thread and I went to sleep and in the morning there was all this FUD and I was so confused. <laughs> and someone said the best way to tackle this FUD was to launch a video with you sitting next to a computer with weird wells on the screen. So it took me about 10 minutes to edit that video and do the voiceover. And I posted it on YouTube and then that just cleared up all the fights. So whenever someone mm. says, oh, do you have any proof that you're 12 years old? Yeah. I just direct them to that video. Yeah, exactly, right? It's also funny because I kind of looking back and some people are still kind of like, oh, Vitalik must be puppet of whatever they're, I don't know, Goldman Sachs, Putin, whatever the craziness, right? Because uh, when we, for some reason, we don't like something, then we're like, no, that must be. That cannot be the case, right? So uh, let's come up with a conspiracy theory about it. <laughs> so yeah, but really awesome story, Dan. But it goes back to what you were saying earlier that as humans, you're always trying to look at um, historic patterns and try and fit it to something that's happened before. Yeah. Um, well, um, Benjamin was just talking there. What what advice would you give young people like Benjamin? I mean, Benjamin's been been had had some great success over the summer with these NFT collections. He's still a few years away from working life. Have you got yeah. any good advice for, for for Benjamin, but also you know younger people his age in general? Yes, like uh, the, my first piece of advice would be don't listen to any advice. Uh, like listen to yourself, because again, like every human is so unique and different, and uh, the more uh, we can learn about ourselves versus like somebody on, you know, somewhere who looks important and successful. Maybe they have a Lamborghini or who, who knows, right? And they like, you should be doing this. You should be this. And you look at yourself like, oh, but oh, I, I'm not this. Maybe I should, should I be thinner, thicker, smarter? Well, you are the unique human that you are. So that's really the human journey is connecting with your unique talents and capabilities, right? Like Vitalik obviously was very ta talented in math and computers and stuff like that. And he has two younger sisters, right? And uh, then I kind of tried to interest them in those things. And uh, his sister, Misha, didn't seem that interested like in math and computer science and uh, whatnot. But she is so creative. She's so good at drawing stuff and she's good at uh, all kinds of performance arts. And, you know, like... Uh, she should not be listening to people telling her what she should be. And I hope that she can connect more and express her unique capabilities and talents, right? And that applies to every human being, you know? So that's really kind of my, if you will, non-advice advice, then, you know, don't listen to advice. And um, Ben, have you got a question on mentorship? So I was going to ask that you've mentioned mentorship and peers as being 
important in personal development. This fits in nicely with the work in fintech. What's the best way to go about securing this for a young person? I would say that uh, reach out to people. Don't be afraid, right? And uh, find the people who resonate. And uh, even if uh, you might have lots of fears, oh, they look so important, so successful. But you know what? A person who... There, you will find some successful people will kind of brush you off and will not have time for you. But I can guarantee you that the best people that you look up to, you reach out to them. And especially if you come prepared, you have specific questions, you know what? They will, some of them, if they're able to find time, they will be able to connect and, you know, build on that. So really, it's like keep trying, uh Try many different things, you know, come up with specific questions, right? Like, you know, try to kind of connect with people on the specific thing that you, you want to kind of get help, uh, find an answers for and go from there. Yes. So in general, what advice would you give to young people who are working in traditional industries and want to get started with crypto and fintech? I think it's always essential to start doing stuff, right? Because again, it's like learning about things and actually doing things are two different things, right? Uh, and that's like, again, like it's scary to do stuff because, uh, you know, when we keep learning, we seems like, oh, you know, I have more knowledge, more knowledge, uh, whatever. But when we actually start doing stuff, then like, here's this failure, here's this and that. But you learn so much more from actually doing things, right? And that's what I found. Like, even when I look at my own NFT experience, when I was looking at it from the side, I had one perception of that. When I started like, okay, let me try this and mint this and buy this. And then I got scammed on OpenSea. I'm like, oh, wow, cool. You know, looking at all of those things and kind of understanding the community. And then on Twitter, people started engaging with me. And then all kinds of promoters, hey, Dmitry, look at this stuff. Like, you learn so much more when you actually engage with this, right? And the same applies to any kind of aspect of decentralized tech and crypto and DeFi. You know, start using different apps, you know. So find a way to actually uh, play with that, right? Uh, and uh, thankfully now it becomes much more feasible because of uh, level two solutions, because, you know, playing with uh, base, you know, level one systems is becoming pretty expensive now with all the demand, right? But with things like Polygon and Arbitrum and Optimism and so many other ways to do this, you can go on Arbitrum and you can, you know, mint an NFT, you can play with some DeFi tools and it's extremely inexpensive, you know, do some Uniswap on Optimism and whatnot. So really, once you start doing stuff, uh, and that's kind of been the case, you know, as I've been talking to my girlfriend about the space and uh, at first she sounded very abstract, but then I helped her set up a wallet, then I kind of pointed her to NFTs and she tried this, she tried that. And then she got really curious and interested. And that's really the case. That's how we humans work. You know, when it's abstract and far away, that seems unknown and scary. But when we play with that, right? So whatever your work is, like, I'm sure that every human can find a few hours a week just to play with stuff. And then it's like, there are some really amazing resources. In the crypto space, I think one of the amazing resources is the Bankless the podcast and all the resources they put out. And there are many others, of course, right? But uh, that's a, an awesome starting point. Listen to some of this stuff. And they have a lot of like practical advice. Hey, guys, try this, do this, and play with that. So, And and from, um, we've also spoken about technology. We've spoken about kind of mindset and learning. 
I can see there's a picture of a Buddhist monk on your wall, and, and uh-huh. I, I think yeah, you've you've kind of been traveling and kind of meditation, kind of retreats and and, and things like that. Can you just talk about how people should also approach um, kind of wellness, both mentally and physically? I don't like the the verb "should," right? So um, people always kind of approach that in a way that's uh, they can approach at the moment, right? Because, for example, for me. Uh, I've been only really discovered meditation in my 40s, right? Uh, and yeah, that was perfect in my journey. I think that, again, it, it's all about sensitivity. It's uh, it's about recognizing that the human mind is always trying to uh, look outside of itself and, uh, and know more and whatever. But uh, how can, especially for smart people, lots of very smart people involved in the crypto space, right? As I mentioned, they they learn to live with their mind because they get pretty good at forecasting stuff and the mind becomes very confident, overconfident. Oh, you know what? I know stuff. I can deal with stuff. And I can guarantee you that however much you, you know or whatever, uh, at some point life will break you, right? So it's really about developing the internal sensitivity to all of our discomforts and whatnot. And, you know, um, so... Eventually, people discover that uh, those aspects of themselves that uh, uh, maybe they have been uh, not paying that much attention, their physical health, their mental health, they will catch up with them. You know, one way or another, that's uh, that's always the case. Uh, so the, the earlier we're able to connect that with that and recognize that, and not necessarily with any kind of like judgment that, oh, I should be doing this, but we can start with something simple. Oh, you know what? Like... My physical state is not as uh, is not quite kind of what I would like to have, right? So let's not judge that, and let's let's not rush into changing that. But we can like, oh, okay, for some reason this is kind of this is what it is for me, right? Uh, my mental health, right? Like maybe I'm feeling lots of sadness and depression or uh, an anxiety or whatever it is, right? Kind of it all starts with recognition and just like compassionate curiosity about that oh look at this like oh i know this stuff i have achieved this stuff this is how i'm feeling physically this is that and then can we keep learning about that right then okay let's say for physical wellness what are some of the important aspects of this what, you know let's be curious about this and then we learn about nutrition about sleep about exercise and whatnot and uh, with men- mental wellness so the same mental health, mental wellness, mental well-being. It's like, okay, so if I feel sadness and uh, uh, and anxiety, and it's really interesting because this whole subject of uh, mental well-being is, uh, uh, is really uh, becoming more um, common for people to talk about this stuff because, you know, their answer for the generation between, you know, before us, let's say 20 years ago, it was really like, no, I mean, let's ignore this stuff. Let's kind of keep surviving. Let's keep moving forward. But now people are becoming more sensitive to all of this stuff. So meditation is uh, one of the really uh, wonderful tools that can support uh, our mental well-being. And also I find that uh, many people, when they talk about meditation, they have uh, a lot of misunderstanding about this. For many people, meditation is like, you know what, my life is really stressful, it's really messed up, and then I'll have my meditation. It's like a brief respite from my messy, stressful ride. But meditation is not really a way to try to run away 
from uh, your stressful life. It's more like a way to become much more sensitive to what's happening in you. And as you develop this sensitivity and you develop the sensitivity to, and you start kind of your, your mind body system will start, start applying the sensitivity to your daily life. And then you will be able to see, Oh, you know what? Like this stress here, like it's happening. I can sense that like for some reason I'm having this, when I interact with this person and maybe when I'm doing this kind of stuff, and then your mind will look at this and maybe we'll come to a different conclusion. Maybe different actions will happen. Maybe you will end up distancing yourself from some other people uh, and, and whatnot, right? So again, it all starts for me with the cur- learning, curiosity, sensitivity. And and to finish off, two questions. One is where do you see this, you know, kind of Web3 trend going in like five, 10 years' time? And the second is how would you like to be remembered? In terms of the trend, I think that it will keep uh, permitting the society in totally unimaginable ways, right? And, you know, short term, you can see that probably there will be a big revolution in social media, reputation systems, things like that. And Vitalik had a wonderful, wonderful talk uh, about some aspect of this at uh, ECC in Paris. I always recommend people to watch that pretty recent video. Um, but in general, I think what also creates, it creates a, a new society, a new global society that's much more interconnected in different ways, right? Because it used to be the case, oh, I live in this country, I'm in this community, and blah, blah, blah. So you kind of, you were local. But no, you're global. You know, Ben, you can connect with people. You're connecting with people all over the globe. People align around the same, similar interests and, you know, passions and whatnot. So that that's happening, right? You can see that now. Like we used to kind of wait and say, okay, so what will our local government or whatever our country government will do for us? And now it's like, you know what? Why don't we try to build a system to do this? And there are so many wonderful experiments, right? So kind of that's what I'm seeing that now there, uh, again, people globally everywhere with internet connection, people in the Philippines, uh, they play an Axie Infinity game and making money from that. People in, I don't know, India, Pakistan, building some awesome uh, DeFi applications and whatnot, and people in Russia contributing to Ethereum Core, and you know, people in Ukraine. Like, it's really amazing to see this globalization for society. More and more opportunities are opening up for every human being. Uh, so that's uh, that's kind of my overall, uh, since you know, perception of what's happening. And in terms of uh, how I want to be remembered. Uh, I don't really care how I'm going to be remembered. It's not really about uh, uh, people will remember something, people will uh, forget. What is not, it's not that important. It's more important to me, like right now, this moment, you know, I'm talking to you guys and I hope that Ben, you can sense, you know, you can feel some of the energy that I'm sharing with you and you, Matt, as well. And, you know, then you get a bit of this energy and I get connection with that and I get excitement from, this to learn about the stuff that you do in Ben and we kind of like we're affecting the world right now we don't need to like oh what will happen you know when I die and blah 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 you know what like at my funeral I hope people have fun they have lots of kind of fun and they celebrate this because life is unstoppable let's keep moving forward we don't know how much we have left but you know right this moment what can we do to impact this, to enjoy our current state within our current capabilities? That's really the main question for me. That's fantastic. Um, I just thought of one more thing and then we'll, we'll finish sure. off because, because it kind of sits in some of the things that you're talking about. Are you familiar with like the Gaia theory? 
you know, yes. Earth is a, is a self kind of organizing and self regulating system. And yes. there's, there's, you know, over time, people kind of see the evolution of humans into, you know, within artificial intelligence that then, you know, humans merging into that and a new yes. kind of different being, um, you know, living on Earth. Mm -hmm. um, do you, do you kind of have a, an opinion on that, that, that sense and, and that perspective? Because there's a lot of technologies which a lot of people get excited about now, which is very much in their early days now. But mm -hmm. that is going to be the next, you know, evolution of, of humans, according to mm -hmm. quite a few people. Do you, do you have a, a, a view on that as well? I'll give you two answers. So I always like to give people multiple answers to confuse them. Uh, and one answer is like, yes, I very much, if you will, subscribe to that. And one of uh, influences in my own uh, mindset or a person that I resonate with is uh, a person named Ray Kurzweil. He is a famous scientist, futurist. He's got a bunch of books out. And his uh, his book, uh, like he, uh, for example, a book called Singularity uh, is near. I just was just looking at uh, it's here on my shelf. Uh, I read that book like 20 years ago and it made a big impact on me. Actually, Vitalik read his books and, you know, this whole concept of uh, accelerating technological advancement. I very much believe in that and I see that happening. And for me, also that ongoing interconnection of, of humans, right? Uh, and uh, technological advancement of, uh, of this process is uh, unstoppable. So that's my first answer. My second answer is actually we, we are that already. Like humans live in this dream of, oh, we are separate and how can I get more and then I'm more important and this is how I get more love. And I, I mean, this is bullshit. You know, there is no separation. We're all part of the same whole and that wonderful, unstoppable, messy, uh, you know, life, universe, God, whatever you want to, like it creates all of this what we experience and it's moving forward. So it's already here, you know, and yes, you know, there will be different manifestations of that, but again, like, you know, it's like, we don't need to wait and like, Oh, when that bright future comes, so that bad future comes, you know what? Like this is a present moment. It's here. It's interconnected. We all constantly, you know, affected by each other, by the climate, by food, by our interactions, by coronavirus, who knows? Right. So, there we are one that's a good good point to end on uh, we are one yeah it's, it's been really really interesting talking to you and, you know, we we can feel your energy as well i'm getting quite excited now <laughs> we, <laughs> we and ben can have a little debrief afterwards yeah um and and uh, and and do do check out um ben's uh nft minting which which goes on sale later today and nfh nf nfh heroes it's called um, but yeah, Dimitri Buterin, thank you very much for joining us today at Work in Fintech. Yeah, great talking to you, Matt and Ben. Thank you, thank you so much. Take care.